I'm delighted to welcome you to the Power and Purpose Through Peace podcast. My name is Bolutimi. I founded Magni Essence Coaching to help you reconnect with yourself, magnify your essence, and reveal your magnificence. You see, to lead meaningful lives, we all need purpose. To fulfill our purpose, we need power. And to be truly powerful, we need to tune into a space of peace. My podcasts bring you information and inspiration that help you activate the power, purpose, and peace you need to be the change you want to see in the world, of course, in a healthy, happy, and sustainable way. The whole world is united for once. The pandemic we're experiencing has suddenly put enormous stress on our economies, systems, ways of life, personal well-being, and we collectively groan under the inconvenience of social distancing and self-isolation. There is no doubt the situation is really, really serious. There is also no doubt that the loss of lives is painful and we must show compassion for all those who have lost somebody they loved and the grief that they're feeling. What is also true is that in the chaos, which is unprecedented, the enemy cannot be targeted and bombed, shot, denied a visa or deterred by a war. We must look within for answers. Now today, I have with me three amazing ladies. The first one is Serene Esarosho. She is a consultant in the clean energy sector, having recently graduated from the University of Leeds with a degree in energy engineering. Her passion for making positive impact is what attracted her to a career in sustainable and renewable energy. It's also what led her to volunteer as a course representative and school representative and eventually work full-time at the university as the education officer, which she did prior to her current role. In her free time, Serene enjoys creating. Some of her favorite outlets include food, textiles, and music. Serene, very warm welcome, and I'm so happy you could take the time to be on this podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited it's to be here. It's a pleasure. Now, the next person I have is Molly Aldis. She is a fifth-year medical student at Imperial College London. Not only does Molly achieve exceptional results, but she's also been president of the Medics Dance Society. Molly's interests include multimedia and performing arts. She values honesty, integrity, and loyalty, and is passionate about the spread of mental health awareness. This led her to achieving a Bachelor of Science in Neuroscience and Mental Health from Imperial College London. Molly, what a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. It's really wonderful that you could make it. Now, the third lady I have is Celine Esbrosho, who is a fifth year medical student studying at Imperial College London as well, with a Bachelor of Science in Cardiovascular Sciences. She values growth, development, and positivity. Her passion for yoga and meditation led her to be last year's president for the Imperial College Yoga Club. Her aspirations as a future doctor are to promote lifestyle medicine and prevention amongst the NHS. She's also making steps towards this by working on a health coaching online course, which will help healthcare professionals learn how they can empower their patients to take control of their health in positive ways. It's so, so wonderful to have you here with us, Celine. Thank you so much, Bolutui. I'm really pleased to be here. Ab, fab, ab, fab. So now, ladies, isn't it interesting that our lungs must be attacked for the earth to breathe better? As you are probably aware, the pandemic that there is is one that's really affecting people's lungs but there has been so much less environmental pollution due to the fact that factories are closing down or slowing down, planes are being grounded, there's less traffic, et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts? I'd like to start with Serene. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, I think, I think it's very interesting and I don't think it's a coincidence. I personally am a big believer in karma and I feel like the way that we as humans were living before was, it just wasn't sustainable. We were choking the earth with all of our activities. And I feel like we got to a point where 
everything got out of balance and now we've had the almost had the script flipped on us and it's not a surprise that this is happening there are scientists across the globe who for years have been saying that if we continue the way that we are as the ice begins to melt new diseases and viruses which we are unfamiliar with that have been frozen will be released and will be faced with new health issues and as we continue to destroy ecosystems which have previously been existing in a particular way and um, again new diseases that we're unfamiliar with um, will be released into the atmosphere and they'll cripple us and I think that we're beginning to see that starting to happen now. Wow that 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 is actually a very interesting perspective I didn't realize that there was actually scientific um, consensus about the fact that new diseases would be released because of what we're doing to the atmosphere. Thank you very much for that input. Um, would um, Molly like to say something? What's your perspective on this? Yeah, so I think it's actually really interesting. And I think what Serene thinks is interesting, see, bearing in mind, um, she's obviously very interested in sustainable energy and um, mm. environment. Um, I think I've seen a lot of posts on social media recently about um, the earth fighting back. And I think that's a really interesting concept at the moment, that the earth is not just the thing that we live on, but actually a personality, a, a, a being mm -hmm. that is now able to say, you set my lungs on fire, now let's watch you burn. It, it's a really <laughs> interesting way to think about it. And the Amazon rainforest fires, the Australian bushfires, I mean, it's no coincidence that it's come so close to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. That is true. We cannot separate all these events, which may seem individual, but mm. it's, it's all part of the same. Um, I mean, I'm just going to borrow Serene's expression, karma. <laughs> 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 all right, then. Um, and Celine, do you have a perspective on this? Yes, so I um, completely agree both with um, Serene and Molly about this not being a coincidence anyway. And personally, I also feel it's quite sad that it's almost had to take this happening as a kind of wake up call. But having said that, I also still feel that people definitely are still receiving that wake up call. And I think it's providing time for people to stop and think mm -hmm. and as they say better late than never <laughs> but absolutely yeah I just really hope that once this lifts that everyone won't just go back to their busy lives as they were previously <laughs> I, I love what you said you obviously have your positive spin and I like what you said about going back which actually leads me to my next question and please feel free to decide who wants to start with this one is there a reality in which we can travel as much as we used to consume as much as we did in the past and still stop or reverse the negative impact on the earth well I feel like Serene might be <laughs> the better one no, now <laughs> given her <laughs> background in energy <laughs> honestly I was just making notes on my phone I was like oh I've got so many points how am I going to bring them together <laughs> but, um, I from everything that I'm seeing uh, in my field I, I do actually think that there is a way in which we can carry on living and having the things that we have what we had previously um, and not be so detrimental to the environment however I think that the gap between where we are and that point is quite big and I think that it, what is making it even bigger is people's unwillingness to bear with a periodic inconvenience mm. I think people have to be willing to be patient to allow these technologies which are currently under development um, to become bigger and to scale up and to become more of the traditional um, option rather than an alternative option. Uh, but I'm not sure how willing people are to do that. And I think that that's often the case with anything which is trying to make its way to the fore um, from as in shift from being an alternative to being the main mode of 
whatever the situation is. So whether it's um, green flying or green transport or green heat, so heat from hydrogen, all of these different things, people have to be open and willing to accept. And I think behavior change is actually one of the biggest barriers. But having said that, I don't know if people should be willing to go back to live mm -hmm. the way that they were before. Mm -hmm. I think that we should be living in moderation and the fact that we're in the situation now shows that everything that we were doing wasn't in moderation. Mm. Just because we have things at our fingertips does not necessarily mean that we should use them. So I think this is a really good opportunity for people to pause and take stock and think, after this is all over, do I need to go back to that way of living? Do I need all of these things? Mm. Wow, you, you actually touched on a few points there, which um, actually probably affects the way we're handling the current pandemic. So you said, that people were not patient. So basically we all are so hooked on instant gratification yeah. and a very, well, basically we find it difficult to basically say, okay, for a little while I will restrain myself knowing that that's the best thing to do in the long run. And we're yeah. seeing that with people finding the social isolation quite difficult in spite mm -hmm. of the fact that we, we know, at least anybody who's educated about the matter knows that it is important to at some level social distance and social isolate in order for the pandemic's curve to to drop but um i totally also find that interesting that you actually view a world where we're not going back to square one but where we would probably be even change our our habits basically now i'm going to ask um celine um because celine touched on this point as well celine do you believe that the world would actually following what's really what's happening at the moment which is horrendous that it's possible that we change do you do you really see that as a reality as, as opposed to a utopia so i what i think is that there are definitely positives from the um social distancing more i'm terms i'm thinking about the use of online technologies and i feel in that regard several companies have come to the realization that doing meetings or other various um, activities via an online meet platform can be very time and cost efficient and so I think because that benefit is there that is definitely something I think would probably remain or be incorporated to what used to be done following the pandemic in terms of things which benefit the environment because that those types of things don't necessarily have um a money or they don't necessarily have a tangible if you can't necessarily see it so clearly or so instantly compared to saving money or saving time i'm not quite sure how seriously people would take those matters the hope is that people would um, tone it down but I'm I don't I'm not I have to say I'm not entirely confident <laughs> that people would when you say tone it down what do you mean by so it? for example we've gone from one extreme of everyone going and traveling all the time to the other extreme right. of everyone not traveling all the time the dream would be that people would think and actually maybe I really should reduce my travel um, mm. but Yes, I know in some places the effects of the um, reduced pollution has been really evident. For example, in Venice and the canals clearing and animals coming out. But I live in London and I wouldn't really say you can... The only... Maybe sound pollution has gone down from not as many cars being on the road. But in terms of the visible effects of, the, of not as much pollution, it hasn't really been that noticeable and so I'm not sure if there's enough stimulus for people to actually continue this what you could call a sacrifice of not going out as much hmm. or not using their own cars as much okay can I talk sure. to you quickly sorry I was just gonna say I feel like although what you made a very good point when you used the word visible because I mean, air pollution, for it's a lot of the time it isn't visible, but just because you can't see it with your eyes doesn't mean the effects 
won't be felt. So I'm sure as a result of this, the number of people who are having um, respiratory problems as a result of air pollution, which was quite high in London, um, I'm sure that number has gone down. I think the difference is it probably isn't in front of, it's not publicized in the same way as other effects. And also it may not then be prioritized in the same way as other, because if you're a business, if the air pollution is better, that's great, but it doesn't necessarily impact you directly. And like you said before, financial incentives will often be the main motivator. Right, mm. right. Although from what you said, um, I like I like that, that perspective. However, finance is linked to health as well. So of course this may be studied, mm. etc. But the fact that less people are suffering from respiratory um, diseases or illnesses, having to go to the hospital, taking up the time of the NHS, and we can see that the NHS's time and capacity is a there there is something to be said for that. Um I think it's definitely something that if measured, um would be a great case for at least a review of our lifestyles and then seeing mm. how we go forward. Um, thank you for those points, ladies. Molly, would you like to add anything? I think um, something that I was thinking about listening to both Celine and Serene mm -hmm. is I think from hearing from Celine saying she doesn't see kind of a big change occurring mm. versus Serene who's very pro-change, mm. it seems. <laughs> um, I think that actually... I don't understand how this kind of a situation couldn't change people mm. and couldn't change their way of thinking, whether it's in regards to the environment or many other things. I think this has given people time to reflect a lot mm. on their lifestyle. Mm. Mm. And I think that we can't not see change after this. Mm. You know, if you look up pre and post World War II, mm you know, life is completely different. And although this, as you said in the beginning, although this isn't an enemy we can see mm. or we can, you know, shoot or mm. destroy, mm. Um, it's definitely an enemy. It's the same thing. It's a, it's uniting people. Mm. Um, mm. I also think in terms of the environment, like look at how many people are walking every day mm. and look at how little cars are on the road. And mm. I, ho I would hope that afterwards people would appreciate walking again. Mm you know breathing fresh air mm -hmm. and it's little things like that that I think people forgot about mm -hmm. and I hope that they continue to remember how that felt absolutely so I, I'm what I'm hearing is two perspectives one that this is such a great moment in history that it is almost unthinkable that things will not change um, and also there are um, things very measurable things that are showing that there's been a great impact of the change in our behavior and lifestyles and I'm hearing another perspective which is that in spite of the gravity of what's going on um, basically us being human beings with us sometimes I'm going to use the word fish um, uh, what's it called um, the little goldfish uh, memory spans um, <laughs> and, and it, it, is, it is true because certain things happen in history and you just wonder how is it possible it happens again but it does um, so I suppose only time will tell, but there's nothing, there's no harm at all in definitely um, deciding where we are going to be standing in terms of how we're going to be um, changing our behavior and what we wish to see in the world as well. Now, um, speaking of changes, um, we just, there's definitely a big thing for me. And um, I think I'm going to start with Molly on this one, which is um, how do you believe um, this this need for self-isolation, the practice of it is affecting um, not only you, but your friends and people at large. I'd like Molly's take on that. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you can't doubt it's affected everyone. Mm. <laughs> We're so used to being out and active and, you know, life kind of gets in the way of everything. Mm. And I think from talking to my friends and my personal experience, it's having so much time to actually reconnect with people and reconnect with ourselves has been really valuable mm. and I've also appreciated so much more how technology is so influential in our lives and although I think in day-to-day -day life we sometimes see it as negative like mm. social media has so many negative connotations mm. um, but actually it's kind of been our savior to reconnect with loved mm. ones mm. other people isolating 
I mean, most people have grandparents or sick people that they're related to and it's become an invaluable tool so that they're not isolated and their mental health isn't being affected by this isolation. Okay. Okay, fantastic. So you see the, you see the, the effects of the cycle um, isolation as pretty positive. Yeah, and I also think that we're all on the same level now. Wealth mm. and you know, status isn't coming into play anymore. We're all humans. We're all in the same situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're all left with the same things at the end of the day. It's so funny you should say so, because this afternoon I was just musing and, and I was thinking to myself, oh my goodness. So no matter how much money you have and how much power you have, connections, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. you still have to stay home. Like the guy who, or person who has nothing, of course, your house might be nice and you might have a bigger garden and all of that, which is pleasant. Um, but in the end, as you said, what are we left with? Your freedom has been in some way curtailed. So, yes, it, it's definitely leveling the play field. Um, I'd like your perspective, Celine. Mm. So just following on what um, yourself and Molly was saying um, about leveling the playing field, I think it's extremely sad that um, Boris Johnson has got the coronavirus as it is for everyone else. But I think that particular, have him in particular having it really, really sends out a powerful message because if someone who is the prime minister of the whole country gets the virus as well, then it, I think that really sends out the message about how truly it is indiscriminative of anyone. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the effect of the social isolation, mm-hmm. it's quite interesting because uh, initially during the isolating, I was at home with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it was really, I found it really um, interesting and very peaceful and really enjoyable time because I felt I connected with my family in ways that I hadn't before, purely because normally everyone is so busy in the evenings going out and doing their, living their own lives, even though we still can't come back to the same house. But this time it was nice because every evening we'd spend it all together. And I feel like we bonded on a new level, even though these are people that I've known literally my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the evenings when I would go on walks with my mum, I even would look into the houses of some families and you would see all the families together, like not from one house, not from two houses, but in so many houses, just because everyone has been brought together and is staying at home. So from that perspective, I do think it's been really nice that families are getting another opportunity to bond again and spend quality time with each other. Um, however, it does definitely have its downsides because I also felt very restless at times. Like I was itching to just go outside and do something that wasn't inside. But then obviously at the same time, I had to be aware of the risk of me going outside or be conscious of where I'm going to. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I am glad to have had to have this time, but I'm also looking forward for it to be over. <laughs> I, 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 to- I totally, totally understand. Um, I believe we just lost um, Serene for a moment. Let me just try and add her back on. But thank you for that perspective. I'm just going to try and add her again. And if she's able to join, fabulous. Otherwise, we'll continue with you two ladies. I hope she's able to um, join the same call. So um, that's really great. And what I'm hearing from you ladies, though, which is very interesting, is that you are at least seeing the positives um, of the self-isolation and how it's affecting you and your friends and how you're you're beginning to see, I mean, technology as a positive, for example, being able to even create closer relationships with those lo- those loved ones that you thought you knew very well I'm sure you did anyway so that that's fantastic now what I'd like to know is in your opinion what are the painful aspects of social distancing for you and your generation 
and what are the ways in which you are dealing with those? Um, so for me, it's Molly. Um, <laughs> I I think I'm so used to having a plan every night, you know, seeing my friends, going to a restaurant, going to a bar, doing fun things. And I actually think even in day-to-day life before coronavirus, I was always saying, let's do something more fun. Let's do something different. And actually, I found now that all I want to do is the simple things that we all used to enjoy. And it's just being with people. I think that's sad. It's, it's the lack of human touch. It's like the mm. lack of seeing someone's face. Because although a screen can give you a sense of closeness, it's never the same as, you know, seeing someone in real life or giving your mum a hug when you're sad. Yeah. You know, it's it's different. No, absolutely. And, you know, going talking about hugs, for instance, I mean, because I know that you specialise in mental health as well. Now we're not allowed to touch people because it's dangerous. Do you, mm-hmm. In your opinion, um, the fact that this, you know, physical touch is something that is now dangerous is that do you think that could really affect people mentally definitely and I have a close relative who suffers with um depression anxiety Hmm. um she's not been doing the social distancing very well and Hmm. as someone in the medical profession I've obviously been quite hard on her about that Hmm. she self-isolated properly for one day and you know it's kind of panic stations it's having no people around really affects people and I think Mm. that people are forgetting that we have a large um elderly population yes a large amount of which live alone Mm -hmm. with health conditions and even Mm -hmm. if not they're still old they need some help Mm -hmm. and I think people are underestimating the importance of picking up the phone and seeing if they're okay Mm. I have an elderly grandmother and she sits at home most of the time anyway but that mm. one day a week that she might go out might be the one thing that that person's looking forward to. Absolutely. So I think right now it's really important that people reach out, you know, do what they can, uh, even if it's just standing outside a window and having a conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it really will put people's mind at ease. And I think so- if you're not someone who suffers from problems like this, mm-hmm. you can underestimate the importance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which I suppose just also goes to being even more grateful for the social contact that we have because I love the example you gave of an older person or maybe not so old but who doesn't really have a good social network around them and whose social activity actually revolves around talking to the cashier or whoever Mm -hmm. you know and you know and wow gratitude again because we take those things for granted Mm -hmm. but they're so essential for our well-being yeah Wow, thanks for that. Um, so Serene is back. Serene, so the question was, how is self-isolation affecting you and your friends? And then we then went on to what are the painful aspects um, of social distancing for you and your generation? Um, so I will actually start with a question because there were a number of points that were raised in the first question, which I think are, my answer to the second question will be a nice segue into um so with regards to well essentially the pain points um around social distancing for me reflecting on molly's um example of an elderly person i although i'm not an elderly person (laughs) i can completely relate to what she's saying because i work for a virtual organization so majority of the time i'm working from home often i there will be periods of time when house I won't see anyone face to face other than the other person who I live with. Um, and so for me, a big part of my life before the lockdown was going to London. I'd often spend the night there with friends. I would go and see my boyfriend. And obviously now all of that is gone. So I feel like I think it's challenging for people to adjust, especially when as Molly says, um, that may have been you may not have had much before but that one thing was what you were looking forward to and what kept you going but then again thanks to what molly said previously i think that that is causing us to take a deeper look at our relationships i i feel like having to go almost 
inconvenient um, and is to reconnect with people. I think it causes you to re-examine your relationships and think of how important they are to you if you're willing to go out of your way to interact with people and actually what you're I mean, I don't know about you guys, but video chatting is definitely not my thing. <laughs> but um, <laughs> if you're willing to do that and find time, big chunks of time out of your day, which you previously wouldn't have, um, to stay in touch with people and still connect and bond with people, I think that on the other side, a lot of relationships will have reached new depths, whether it's um, children with parents or you and a friend romantic relationship I feel like pause is making us all be present in a number of ways and one of those ways is how we engage with people who in our lives are important to us and how are we um, making the timely effort to show them that they are still important to us even if we can't be together absolutely I liked what you said about um, the fact that you know very in, in the relationships we have, romantic or otherwise, we're going to have to find, you know, ways of um, expressing or or having those relationships, even though we're not in the same physical space. And that could lead to um, a certain deepening of those relationships, because of course, it's not superficial. You're not. It's not like you're going to be with the person and on your phone. Mm. It's it's just it's a whole different dimension. I, I'd mm. say. So yeah, good point there. All right. Um, That's actually, sorry, if it's all right, if I quickly um, add something. Of course. Um, so on that point about um, keeping in contact with people through phones and things, I personally don't enjoy being on my phone for a large <laughs> portion of the day. Mm. And I don't use social media that frequently. Mm. And it's something which has made me, come to the recognition that when I leave university mm -hmm. I have to be extremely careful because I'm not the best at keeping in contact with people when it's over a long distance or I can't I'm not able to meet with them in person frequently mm -hmm. um, so it's not anything that I've necessarily taken steps towards yet to improve but it's really highlighted that fact for me and I feel as though I definitely need to start going out of my comfort zone to keep in touch with people, even if it's not by my preferred means. I like that. So out of all of this has come some recognition of how you operate and what you may want to do in the future to adjust that where necessary. Mm, definitely. Nice. All right, then. So, um, I'd like each of you to tell me at least one thing, it would be more than one, that following this or, or thanks to this experience, you are even more grateful or even just grateful for um, because of everything that's happening now. And anybody can start. I'll start. <laughs> Go, Molly. <laughs> So something I've realised I was grateful for um, is time. Mm. And recently, it's quite strange, before this happened, me and Celine had had a few conversations about creating time. Mm. We mm. live in a really busy kind of generation and everyone's trying to get where they want to be. But we don't always give ourselves the luxury of standing still. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so many times in my life personally that, I say, I don't have enough time to do this today. I don't have enough time to do that today. Yeah. Because I see them as lesser tasks or they're not taking me to where I want to be. Yes. But actually they build on the person I want to be. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And I think that creating that time was really important to me then. And then give, obviously, I, I don't wish for this situation to have happened. Yeah. But it's actually allowed me to sit back, stand still and think, actually, I had all this time what am I going to do now? How am I going to make myself better? And it's a really good time for building on you mm. instead of trying to reach a goal mm -hmm. that is actually not that important in the long run. 
Oh, oh my God, that was amazing. <laughs> that was so beautiful. And I, I would say why, because you just reminded me of a, um, a phrase that I learned a few years ago, which is stop, breathe and be. Mm. Um, because, you know, as you said, we're just on this rat, it's a rat race, isn't it? A fer- we're in a fairy wheel and it's, it's, and we're just doing, we're all, we're, we're doing things, but that does not, that's not who you are. And um, I think great insight there, Molly, great insight, um, definitely. And what, what's also very interesting as well is this, uh, this idea of creating time or making time. Because um, when people tell me they don't have time, I'm probably a little, you know, naughty with this. But I, I don't believe in not having time. I believe whatever is important, as you were saying, mm-hmm. we make time for definitely (laughs) if it's important to us we'll make time for it so if we're not doing it we don't want to do it or it's not our priority and that's fine but very nicely said thank you for that um who'd like to go next i would if that's okay i I will keep it brief but i just i agree with what molly said a completely 100 percent. it was so well put and i agree with everything you said um for me, the big thing that I've got from having this time um, is the ability to prioritize. Because as you've just um, alluded to, Bolu, we all have time for whatever we want. It's just what are we choosing to spend that time on? And I feel like I had got to a point where I'm in the, you know, when you're just going through the most. And I feel like now, because we've been forced to stretch beyond our comfort zones because we're all in unfamiliar territory. Mm -hmm. I've now had time to reflect and think about, okay, this is where I am. Where do I want to be? How am I gonna get there? And actually I have allowed myself to drift into a situation that perhaps Mm -hmm. isn't the best for me in the long run. And now I feel like I can reach take control of my life but I don't think I would have come to that recognition if I had time to think and stop and look around me to take stock lovely that that's that's very very nicely said and just brings me to something that I often hear which is that the virus is the enemy but if we think about it um I mean, if, if we assume that the virus was always then part of nature and that due to the environmental changes, it's simply been activated, which it probably wouldn't have been if the world was a certain temperature. I mean, I truly do. I'm not an expert. But in any case, this virus is actually helping us raise our consciousness. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's painful. And there is loss. Um but from what you're saying and what several people around the world are saying, there's also a, a, an increased consciousness of, you know, who, are, who am I? Who do I want to be? Mm. Where am I? Where do I want to go? And I think that's priceless. And probably, as um, Celine was saying earlier, would not have happened. And that's unfortunate if we were not experiencing this whole pandemic. So, um, great thoughts there. Celine, would you like to add anything to that? Um, so for me, I think what I've, I generally would say that I was someone who appreciates the small things in life and that it doesn't take much to make me happy. But I think the, well, I know that the pan, having this pandemic and the restrictions has made me realize that there were so, so, so many things, even that I, that I was still taking for granted. For example, now when I go to the supermarket, there's, I have to wait a really long time just to go inside. And mm. in before this all happened, it never even would have occurred to me that just being able to walk into a supermarket without having to queue up is something that I should have been grateful for. Yeah. Or even um, go, when I go outside now and coming back, there's this whole thing in my mind of, oh, have I done anything that I could potentially have picked up the virus? And then when mm. I even come into my house, the first thing I do is wash my hands. And I'm thinking, have I washed my hands properly enough? 
or well enough so that there's nothing on there. And these are things that you just wouldn't even have thought about that before I was able to just go into my house and not have to think about all these things. And I just took it all for granted. So that's something where now, in terms of not taking the small things for granted, that that's really going to stand out for me. But again, it links back to what we were saying before about how long will these changes last? Like it's very well that after the um, after the restrictions are lifted, I'll be appreciative of it. But I think some change is generally what um, provokes these provokes people to come to these realizations. And if if after the pandemic, I just get used to not to being able to do all these small things again. I wonder whether I would still remember to be grateful for them in six months after the pandemic or a year or even five years later. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a very honest thing to say, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say, though, that gratitude is a muscle. And so the abilities I suppose to remember is just really a question of practice. Um, but it's true that we, we cannot take it for granted as, as, as soon as we stop practicing gratitude. Mm-hmm. We slip right back to our old ways as, as with everything um for me the, the two things that really come to mind in terms of being more grateful for one is freedom freedom of movement mm. because it's true you know in the past it wouldn't occur to you that you can't just leave your house and go wherever you want to it's a free country right and um and now that is no longer possible i, I mean of course it's possible no, no nobody probably arrests you but then you're putting yourself as well as others in danger and so that is something i said oh my goodness um i really am so grateful now for, for that freedom um of movement that um we used to have and i'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll one day have again and the other is peace of mind because um you touched upon it celine um the fact that you know, just going into grocery store and not being scared you're going to catch something from the grocery store. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, now we go out and you might be breathing and, you know, <laughs> get, getting the virus as far as I know. So, yeah, so those two things are really huge. And, of course, time. I mean, the way I live my life, I'm pretty time-rich and very much in charge of my time, etc. cetera, um, which is absolutely not what used to be the case when I used to work at L'Oreal. But ever since I'm, I'm an entrepreneur working on my own schedule, it's very different. But those, the, the peace of mind and freedom, um, I, I, I really hope I will never take for granted again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they're so important. They're so important. Um, all right. Thank you very much for that, ladies. So basically what's happening now is, you know, we're all experiencing these challenging times, not only individually and collectively, and many of us are looking to our leaders and governments for direction and help, which is natural. Um, I think it's important, however, to recall um, John Kennedy's famous words when he said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And all over the world, people are rising to the occasion. You know, some people are create, creating funny online content to cheer people up, which is important, you know, for mental health. I'm sure Molly would agree. Um, others are volunteering to help in hospitals or to distribute necessities for the vulnerable, which is very important. Again, you know, thinking of your neighbor. Um, still others are creating value through creative inventions. One example that I absolutely loved was a 21-year-old um, student um from eastern kentucky university in the united states um she her name is ashley lawrence and she's a senior studying the education for the deaf and hard of hearing and she basically decided to design a mask and this mask was featuring a a transparent rectangle so that the mouth was fully visible and so that those people who you know needed to read lips could actually see the lips move when the person was wearing the mask and I thought, wow, you know, Molly mm. said earlier that we're forgetting some people. And it's true. I, I truly hadn't thought about, oh, wearing a mask could affect the ability for somebody to communicate because, of course, they couldn't hear and they needed to see my lips. And I just thought that was absolutely ingenious. I mean, there's so many things out there, but I loved that one. It was so inclusive. So what I wanted to know 
was have you identified ways in which people can contribute and ways in which you're contributing any things you've heard which you find really amazing please share so um as i mentioned i was before before i was outside of london with my family and then molly and i because we're medical students we've moved um to london to help out with our university and hospital but before i came to london i saw i can't remember where i saw it actually but essentially there was this note that was um going around and you could write down your details and then tick boxes of things that you were happy to do to help your neighbors so i ticked um things like buying urgent supplies for people or doing food food shopping for people and then I just went round and dropped it um, through the letterbox of all the people on my street Mm. and I was really surprised at the number of my neighbours that um, texted me saying that it was really they really appreciate the note and that they're also happy to do the same for me if um, my family ends up in a situation where nobody can leave the house because of um, self-isolating. So it just goes to show that actually if you take the first step that often people are also willing to do another kind act back. Absolutely. And what I like about that is from what you've said, nobody was actually in need of that particular service, but it certainly brightened their day to receive that note from you. Yeah. So that's 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 really great. Well done. Right. Uh, Molly? Would you like to say anything about that? Yeah, so as Celine said, um, we had come back to London to help in the hospitals. Um, I'm not sure mm. if you know, but Northwest London is one of the worst affected areas in the country. So it's, mm. I felt it was important to come back and as have many others in our medical school. And I had a conversation with Celine um, and a few of my friends who have um, said they would volunteer. And this applies not only to my friends, but obviously... I hold my friends dearly, (laughs) so it's a bit more relevant. Um, But I found it really empowering, people coming back to volunteer, to do what some see as a duty. Um, Mm. I remember saying that before we had the opportunity to volunteer and before we knew the scale of this situation, a lot of people were very fearful of the virus. Um, we didn't quite know what was going to happen. There were young people dying. There were old people dying. Um, and as I said, people were scared and people were panicking. But some of them people that were so scared before came back to volunteer in a hospital. And I said that I'm so proud of the people that stepped forward to volunteer in spite of fear. Because mm. it, it takes a strong person to do that. Because it's it, you're not courageous because you do things that are, are scary. You're courageous to do something in spite of fear. And I've seen that in a lot of my friends and a lot of my colleagues. No, that, thank you so much for that. Because absolutely, courage is not absence of fear. It's feeling the fear and doing it anyway, mm-hmm. isn't it? And wow. And that that is impressive. And I must say... Um, I do, I do not think the nation can thank the medical staff and the NHS workers enough um, because it takes a certain type of person to walk into basically the war zone mm. <laughs> every day. And again, it's not something you can see, identify, say, oh, it's there. It, you know, it could be anywhere. And yes it's it's truly a great service to the nation um thank you very very much um very 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 impressive and um i just hope that um the nhs and all the people in the medical field will be much more appreciated mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah well I, than, than it's they interesting already. you say that because um for example um i was volunteering yesterday and then at lunchtime mm-hmm. there was a delivery from leon and they basically were mm. providing lunch for the staff at the hospital and they had brought Beautiful. so much food there was even like some left over so some people would could take mm. some for dinner as well i think that's important point like it's really really amazing 
sacrifices and, and the compromises that you both have, Celine and Molly, and others who are volunteering across the country in the NHS. It's an incredible thing you're doing. And as Bruce says, like, there's really, there is no way for the rest of us to show you our appreciation yeah. and a debt of gratitude. But an important first step that all of us should be thinking about how we can make whether it's a corporation like Leon or as someone on an individual basis is to think about, as you said, Bully, with that quote, um, how can we help? What can we do? And in which way can this help alleviate the collective burden? So I think mm. an important, a really important thing that everyone should be doing if they can is registering for the Royal Voluntary Service, which it initially came about um, I can't remember which war it was just after. It was a way for um, just normal people to get involved with the war efforts and to support. And now it's being brought back as purpose for just everyone to be able to support with the efforts against COVID. So there are a number of ways that you can help, which actually, Celine, you listed some of them. They're on your tick thing, on the piece of paper that you gave out to the neighbors. So whether it's picking up shopping, or calling someone to check in and chat, or um, doing mm -hmm. transport for the NHS, delivering information and stuff, there is a role that we can all be playing. And this is one of my favorite things that has come of this, I think. We as a society, and a global community even, I feel like we were so isolated. You could be with people, with them, so the example you gave Bolu, being with someone, but perhaps you might be on your phone. Yes, you're with that person, but are you really? I feel like this whole thing has brought people together in a way to create a sense of community, which I never thought that I would see in my lifetime. And it's really inspiring and it gives me hope that actually like there is still some humanity people do still care for another in a way that previously I think we were forgetting how absolutely mm -hmm. hello Serene are you there oh, yes I'm still here sorry I just okay abroad. lovely <laughs> <laughs> no no that that's that's absolutely fine look that was absolutely beautifully said and you know so what what i'm hearing here is that this is a difficult time it's almost it is it is a war of some sort and molly was saying how um basically people's characters were being built or mm. revealed um you know through the whole pressure and you know, fear, et cetera, et cetera. but they were facing the fear and stepping up which is very impressive you were saying how um, you know, just normal human kindness and um, caring for others is also something that's coming up mm -hmm. now um, to face a common challenge. I don't like to say anything, I say challenge. And and I like the fact that um, uh, Celine was quick to mention that, you know, people are already appreciative of what um, the NHS and the medical staff uh, are doing for, for, for society as a whole. What I'd like to mention though, is that just because of the way various family units are built, if you're living with somebody who is in the vulnerable category, then it may be actually dangerous to be out there. And so I'd really like to underline the fact that doing your bit, as you were saying, I'm serene, maybe simply staying home and not going mm -hmm. around, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So no, nobody should feel left out. Not, not everybody's a doctor. Not, not everybody's going to invent a mask. Not everybody's going to be able to safely go out and not, you know, put their family under enormous stress, stress and pressure because they feel, oh my goodness, I'm vulnerable and somebody, you know, stepping out all the time. So doing our bit, whatever that is, let's just do it well, mm -hmm. you know, um, and it could be any, I mean, I am also, another thing I'm very grateful for now is everybody who is working in the food industry. <laughs> I pray for them. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, how would we mm. eat in, in all of this? 
but they're but they're still working because we still have and you know the saddest thing is that um whilst they're still Mm -hmm. working there are some people who have because i do think in the panic of everything people aren't necessarily Mm -hmm. acting themselves and i noticed that sometimes when people can't find things in the shop because of so many people are panic buying that sometimes the staff are getting the grunt of it and it's really sad to see that but then on the other hand i definitely do see people being really appreciative of what they're doing because i think the majority of people do really recognize that if it wasn't for them they wouldn't even be able to come into the supermarket because it wouldn't function Mm. Absolutely, but the supermarket is one thing, um, but the food grows somewhere, is produced mm-hmm. somewhere, so it, it goes really down the chain. It just means some people are continuing to mm-hmm. go to work, and we mustn't. Even the people who deliver, Amazon, whatever delivery um, services they are. So basically, it's very much um, again grateful to them. <laughs> you know, they're definitely contributing to the effort of keeping society running and. A more or less mm. civilized manner so yes um that's something we, t- we could talk about so um now what i wanted to ask and i'd like each of you to give me your perspective here is many people want to go back to life as it was before they're like oh my goodness i can't wait this is oh i just want to go back to my life so what i'd like to know is what do you wish for and what world you would like to see after this pandemic just in a few lines. For me, I really, really wish that after this, people will go back to living life more intentionally. And I say this also as a reminder to myself. Mm. Throughout this conversation we've been having, a thing that keeps popping up is how um, now everyone is being forced to reevaluate a number of areas of their life and question them and think why am I doing this? Why did I do this? What do I want to do moving forward? And I just hope my real wish for everyone is that we're able to carry that mentality with us, even when things start to return back to normal, which will be in a, for a while. We, things won't just bring back to normal once this is all over. There will be lots of, um, a number of things which will take time to recover from what's happened. But I hope that through the recovery period and beyond that, people take the time to ask themselves, why am I doing this? Whether it's like eating an extra piece of meat or having mm. four holidays on the other side of the world or whatever. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. And by normal, do you mean the new normal? Yes, of course. <laughs> just checking (laughs) all right then um i'd like to hear from yeah sure so i think fundamentally what i wish for Mm. is a world that Mm. is kinder Mm. is a world where Mm. people like say hello to their neighbors and check up the old Mm. person that lives across the road you ask them if they want you to pick up shopping for them you know little things you do every day I don't think you realize what impact it can make on some people and I think that being kind costs nothing it doesn't matter who you are but you know smiling at someone down the street as someone who lives in London that is a rarity um (laughs) smiling at someone on the street it can make that person feel good if they're having a bad day and I also think being conscientious Mm. people thinking about the kind of repercussions of their actions and taking a moment to Mm. breathe to think and Mm. to actually consider how what you're doing how what you're doing is going to impact someone else whether it's the person sitting next to you or the person on the other side of the world Mm. because small changes make big differences absolutely absolutely and i like what you said about the ripple effects of our actions need not be just the person that Mm. we can see um because as you saw once this whole pandemic Mm. started um we saw that i think it was just above wuhan the ozone layer kind of or i mean the the, the fog kind of cleared basically so people could see the Mm. sky and and if you think about that who are the chinese producing Mm. let's all be Mm -hmm. honest 
let's all be honest, you know, we're all online shopping till we drop or wherever we are. And so if we're shopping that much, then people need to produce that much. And then so absolutely great point. And I love what you said about being kind as well. Mm -hmm. Many people want a smart child or want to be intelligent. And and this reminds me of another phrase I heard. This was in a Mm -hmm. yoga class, by the way, when I was in San Francisco. And the yoga teacher said at the end of the class, may the intelligence of the mind bow to the wisdom of the heart. And it blew my mind. <laughs> I loved it. I, I, mm. But it's so true. And isn't it wise to smile at somebody? You know, just a smile. It's, mm-hmm. it's, and it's free. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right, Celine. What would you, what do you wish for? And what would you like to say? From my wish is that after the pandemic, I'm hoping that people still have a sort of break on or maybe not even the need to have a break on, but mm. they're just not so up for being in drive mode, but they can just, like Molly mm. said, take time to breathe and just know that there is mm. time. Um, because mm. I feel that generally speaking, when people aren't in a rush, you tend to notice more things around you and I think with that noticing also then comes gratitude for these small, smaller things too. Um, and actually, even I was thinking that earlier on in the podcast, when I kept saying that, um, I wonder if people would actually revert back to their old ways and all of that. I do think it is important to stay positive. And I think it's also important to lead by example so I know that for me personally, after the pandemic, there are certain things that I will try to um, follow through with that I've learned from this. For example, I am someone who always thinks, what is the next thing I need to be studying for, for my exam? And I now I've kind of realised that it is OK to just take time out in the evening and spend time with people that I'm in the house with and I don't always have to be kind of doing the next thing that is productive but it's okay to just take some downtime yeah so Mm. I'm certainly going to stay optimistic and hope that the people that people also carry on through with their lessons beautiful so what I heard from Serene was more intentional a world where we're more intentional molly said a world where we're kind and more conscientious and what you're saying is a world mm, yeah present what do you feel what do you feel All right volunteer in terms of what you would like to see afterwards so what, what I'd love to see, um, honestly, is, you know, a question I asked earlier about how can we continue to live our lives to the fullest, but still not be poisoning the mm. world in which we live? That balance is, I, I don't have the answer to it. I don't have the technical skills, but I just, I just would love to see a world in which these considerations are truly, truly mm. a priority. So... So where if, exactly, if I need to travel, does it need to be four times a year, really? I don't know. Of course, if it's sustainable, there's, a, there's no impact on the environment, why not? But I, I'd love to see that, that balance become a reality where we can live our lives to the fullest, whatever that is for each person, um, but still, instead of taking away from the environmental health or taking away from the world, actually making it better that that's what i yeah. love to see and another thing I'd, I'd really really um like to see is um just more gratitude mm. just more gratitude for, for everything i mean freedom is such a something we've taken for granted for so so long um but we are in very scary times and if people don't understand it yet it's, it is a war of sorts because nobody's bombing london or germany or, but we can't go out so we're in lockdown mm. 
it's very, very serious. And um, we certainly have brought it upon ourselves. Um, just more gratitude and more, you know, consciousness, everything you said, being intentional, being kinder, be more conscientious, be more present, but mm-hmm. definitely a lot more gratitude. We take, we, we take far mm-hmm. too many things for granted because they're free. The air is free, you know, the water is free. That this is It's so yeah. true. So that, yeah, that, that's what I'd love mm-hmm. to, to see. Yeah. And not even after. We can start the gratitude now, right? And we can start being more intentional now. We can start being kinder now. All of these yeah, things are things we can start right now. We, we need not wait. Um, so um, I would like to say uh, a big, big, big thank you to you ladies um, for your contribution. This has been absolutely inspiring for me. And um I would just like to say to whoever's listening, you know, we may want to think twice about wishing to go back to our old lives. Um, the interesting thing about pain is that often we want the pain to stop and to go back to normal. What we often don't do is stop and ask, what is the pain telling me? Mm. What has led to this pain? What is the recognition that I can gain as an individual or we can gain collectively so that the pain serves its purpose and we move into a new more conscious life instead of going back to the old. So I want to thank everybody for listening and investing in your power and purpose through peace. I'd love you to share the podcast with others if you found it interesting and invite you to share your comments with me. Till the next podcast, I wish you all many magnificent experiences. So ladies, bye-bye. Thanks and speak so to you much, soon. Bro, that was thank great. You. Yeah, really, really, really good. good.